Hey crew, how you doing? Hey, it's Coach here. Man, I appreciate your time as always. Hey, this week I give away some professional designer secrets so you can be successful in your own do-it-yourself landscape project. We're covering the design phase of those 15 steps. I will cover some of what I was taught and how I was taught, what I learned through experience, and in some cases, what to avoid. I'll help you jump that gap from weekend warrior to complete thoughtful process so you can approach your project in a very complete manner. Ready? Carry on, copy that. Time to launch. Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, it is, it is one thing to want to do your own landscape makeover or original install if you happen to have a new home with just a dirt lot around you. I think it is a whole other thing though to be able to do it right the first time with all the steps needed to pull off a professional looking job. It really is. Some people can, they really can. Others cannot. And I'm gonna discuss why right now. It's been in my experience, some folks have the desire, they really do. They, they wanna save those bucks. They want to work their own land and get a job done after they've moved in to make the, make the place more homey, more theirs, etc. They also got the fortitude and the backbone to do it, but many lack the artistic side to pull things off altogether. Does it have to be that way? No, no way in heck. Having the drive, fortitude, and desire is 80% of the project right there. All they have to do is take and complete a few extra and certainly fewer exhausting steps to approach the project from a thoughtful and complete angle. Hey, if you really want to leg up, and have something that doesn't cost you a dime. Check out the website, youryardcoach.com. There I give away a great 15 step, 15 step-by-step -step landscape approach giveaway. And I do mean that, giveaway. I outline those stopes for you, both in writing and in a little audio podcast accompaniment. In the book and the course, I will certainly bolster your confidence so it will nearly be impossible, impossible to fail. You know, getting the designing down so it makes sense, so functionality becomes apparent, and first and foremost, it is designed to a solid budget, it is paramount. It's, this is one of the paramount steps to your landscape project success, it really is. Not only that, and I've seen this in so many people that I have taught and been around, you feel so much more confident and empowered and capable mentally, emotionally, and you already, based on your drive and desire and fortitude, you have the physical side and that, that fortitude is in place. And man, if you can keep that momentum going with the design and budget, a few other steps already in place, bam, man, I'm telling you, you you've got this made, you've got it licked. Whether it's a brand new install 
or it's a landscape makeover, either way. Well, there's just a few key things that you have to do. So let's delve into those few key elements of designing out your landscape. Getting ideas out of your head, off the computer screen, and down onto paper is huge. You will sleep so much better, you really will. And here's another thing. Are you afraid of screwing up? Afraid of looking stupid or failing miserably? Hey, I get it, I get it. But we will start out today, we're gonna to start out crawling and then walking and finally jogging across that designing finish line. Will I stretch this out for an hour? No, your guys' time is way too valuable. Besides, if we went for an hour on this thing, I could do three days of it, if you let me, but it's way too much to absorb. So we will bite off only the real basics to get started. If you wanna get more, there are other design videos that I've done, plus the products I offer on the website. I offer that increase in knowledge with that course 10 times with Senior Head right now, I guarantee you. Okay, so let's start off. Now, I'm not there with you, so I'm not exactly sure what your site, your job site looks like. Your site will dictate a lot of what you can and cannot accomplish. Is your current landscape a large area or maybe a small area? Are you in the city or maybe the burbs? Or are you really very rural? You're way out in the country or even further. If you have a large area to landscape, have you got the funds to do it? and the time to do it, and the tools and skill set to pull it off correctly. Having a large yard gives you options, it really does, and affords you the opportunity to maybe satisfy many functional needs that you and your family are going to need from that landscape. For example, are you going to have an outdoor living area? More than just a patio, an actual outdoor living area, a vegetable garden, a kid's play area, you know, maybe a separate doggo area for doggo when you guys go off to work. Maybe you need a good short storage shed back there somewhere or even uh, an extra garage. Maybe you want some private areas, you know, where you and the mister or the missus or your partner or whatever, right outside that bedroom door where you can go jump in the hot tub and enjoy some time that's screened off in just your area. Those large areas, those large yard areas give you those options. Now on the flip side of that, smaller yards, smaller yards can hamper this a bit and less options become available, but it can still look good when the project is complete. It basically is this is where compromise comes into play. For instance, your backyard maybe is uh, 30 feet deep from the house out to the back fence, and maybe 50 feet wide, fence to fence. This is considered average in some suburb communities. Now introducing all the amenities I listed for the larger yard is possible, but will it look crowded and each element heaped up on the other, right on top of the other, so it looks kind of crowded and there really isn't much flow? Possibly, or maybe everything you just have to scale down to fit. Most of the time in my designing experience, I have always consulted with clients and told them, I know you want all this big yard stuff, but you don't have the yard to do it in. So if you had to get rid of one to three of your wish list, which would it be? And that's where good, honest discussion comes in between you and your significant others and other people in the house. Okay, so let's talk about colors and contrast when it comes to designing. This not only applies to plant material, 
which is what most people think of right off the gate, but also the hardscape features, the dwelling color itself, the fence color, the lighting fixtures, the stonework color, boulder selections, and the site and the surroundings your home is located in. All of these can be color complementary or color contrasting depending on your taste, depending on the neighborhood, backyard or front yard project, and what really fits, what really looks good. An example might be you have an ultra-modern glass house, and this is just hypothetical, ultra-modern glass house with views of the mountains and the surrounding, the surrounding natural landscapes. For instance, you might be at 4,000 foot elevation and in USDA zone five. Now you relocated here, maybe you built this house, maybe you didn't. You moved from the deep south and you wanna to try to replicate your zone 10 and 11 landscape. Now, will it work? Probably not. Can it work? Probably not. Dot two, will it look right? No, it will not. You try to take some kind of semi-tropical stuff and put it at 4,000 foot elevation in a zone that's half of where you used to live? No, it's not gonna work. Is this a complete and thought out approach? Or are you approaching it with just what you want? Sight be damned. And that's a recipe for disaster. Here's another example. What about a, a log cabin look in the, in the hills or the mountains of Virginia? and you want something from your deep Florida South, a Florida environment you want to attempt to recreate there in the Virginia mountains, or better yet, and I have seen this in some comments, you get relocated from the Northwest to Miami for job purposes, and you want to try to recreate your landscape that you love and already miss so much from your Seattle, Bellingham, Washington area very wet, very, uh, shall we say, evergreen type of environment. And you wanna to try to make it work here in the deep Miami. Yeah, no. So where are you located at? What does your site dictate? And what is the desired type of uh, plant material and other things that will work in your area? And you really have to be able to be flexible. Bringing the right design, which works for all aspects, that's where you end up getting a winner. So when you're picking your design and you're doing it, a couple things I really want you to focus in on. Number one, does your design fit your budget? Not the other way around. Not the other way around. Number two, does it fit the area that you are going to be doing the project in? Your design. You didn't design a South Florida design for say, uh, the foothills of Colorado. It's not going to work. Does the design complement and fit with the architecture of your dwelling? And in some cases, the neighborhood. Does it fit the maintenance level you desire? And does it fit the skill level of which you and possibly professionals that you may bring in to help do some of the elements that you know you don't have the skill set or the time for. Your color and contrast palette reflects some research and certainly some due diligence on your part so it works throughout the project. Again, this is for hardscape and your greenscape as well. You've achieved a flow pattern through the landscape, both in terms of hardscape and walking navigation, tool navigation, 
uh, lawnmower navigation, those kinds of things, but also in your plant layout as well. When dealing with hardscape, consider these pointers. Maybe they'll work for you. Number one, the color of your home is a base from which to extend complementary landscape colors. Earth tone house color may not call for purple fences. A purple house, which, hey, maybe somebody likes that. It would not be me, but for a purple house, you're going to need complementary tones out there for patios, fences, walkways, etc. Number two, consider some contrast with the earth tone range on the color wheel. Example might be, um, say for instance, light colored house, a light colored earth tone house, beige, taupey color, and then maybe a dark colored patio. Maybe not black, but maybe something that is much darker brown and maybe a uh, mid-color, complementary color for the banding around it, you know. That is when you start getting into color and contrast. Number three, pick up like textures. And what I mean by that is, say for instance, your home, say you're doing a front yard project, and your home has this stone fascia around the front of it, maybe just like a wainscoting type of thing and tie in one area to complement that stonework on maybe a short retaining wall if you happen to have a, a sloped yard and you're gonna kinda level it up a little bit. Consider something like that. Number four, plant material can be a separate issue and should stand to serve the overall landscape theme. Also consider when you're designing it, and this is uber, uber critical, listen to this one. The maturity of the plants that you are selecting, you have to be thinking five and 10 years down the road. Have that plant material, have the ability to please the eye, not overwhelm the space, and make sure that it is pleasing to the eye probably eight to nine months out of the year, depending on where you live. Some people have growing seasons that are shorter than that, and I totally understand. Maybe it's only six months out of the year. Number five, color and contrast play a big role in plant material selection and placement. Contrast can be achieved through a few things. Leaf size and texture. You have something larger leafed in the back and smaller leafed in the front. You have leaf color where you can contrast various hues like you know, purple leaf loripetalum and golden barberry in the back, something like that, that kind of leaf color contrast. You can have contrast in heights and front or back placement. Remember, if you have a larger yard or have the capability of having beds that are deep, and when I say deep, from the front edge to the back edge of those beds are fairly good sized, then you can have a vertical placement so that you have a wall in the back part of the bed and then step it down to mid-size, step it down to frontal, and then step it down to colors or ground covers. Then you get the eye taken from the beginning of the bed and your eye will naturally sweep up to the back of the bed. Very easy on the eye and to the brain, it tells you this makes sense. Rather than having a hodgepodge of various plants, tall in the front, short in the back, reversed again, and it, it does not look. You know, if you want a natural national forest look, then move to an area that has such a thing and then just let mother nature do your landscaping. 
But if you're doing something ornamentally, then it makes a lot more sense from the ornamental perspective to have short in front, tall in back. Finally, I mentioned it just a minute ago, and that is maturity and the given space are critical. If you've got a dinky yard, don't go seeking out big maple trees. Don't seek out green giant thuyas. Those things aren't gonna work in a small, small space. They'll work for the first, I don't know, three to five years, and then they're gonna get their, their height and width on in a hurry, and you're gonna wish that you had not made those selections. Okay, let's move on just a little bit. Let's talk about angles and curves. Angles and curves for bed layouts, lawn layouts, uh, patio layouts, walkways, driveways, all these kinds of things, really is a personal choice to be sure. There are those people in this world that are very rectilinear in thought. Everything is 90 degrees. Their house, their walls, their rooms, their garage, everything is, you know, right angles pretty much everywhere. And they're comfortable with that. Boom, I get it, I get it, that's fine. I have found, from a professional standpoint, I have found much more of a natural look is attained from wandering and curving bed lines, lawns, and hardscape. But not if the site does not allow it. And we go back to that large yard, small yard syndrome. If you like curving beds and that kind of thing, great. But if you have a dinky townhome type of backyard, and I'm talking dinky, most of the time curved elements, they tend to get really narrow and elongated to fit, fit into such a narrow space. And to your eye, it'll look a little off. It really will. In such cases, angular lines probably fit best there. And then you can soften the angles with uh, containerized plant material or planted in the ground plant material. That'll soften some of the, the 90 degree corners and whatnot. I think curves, and, and I don't mean roller coaster type of curves, no. I'm talking gradual, large radius type of curves to beds and, and hardscape and lawns, that kind of stuff. They look really good in the larger landscape motif. Those, those curved walkways and patios, lawns, beds, it really will detract away from the angular look of the homes in general and really soften the whole property as far as aesthetically pleasing to the eye. Beds can get deeper and layers of plant material can be introduced, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, and you will see a dramatic difference in your design and eventually the finished product if you can do curves rather than angles. But again, personal choice. But you only have to work with what you have, right? It's either that or move. You can't, or better stated, you shouldn't try to slam a square landscape peg into a round landscape idea. You're gonna be banging your head against a wall you will lose more often than not and often be frustrated and disappointed. Throw your hands up and go, F it, coach. I, this is not for me. I, I, can't, I can't do this no more. So, knowledge is power. Remember the old adage, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And the way you attain that is by thinking it out. Not overthinking it, not getting to an analysis paralysis state, but thinking it out. Okay. Finally, back to the failure aspect a minute, which a lot of people, 
They never dip their toe in the landscape pool because they are so afraid that they're gonna screw everything up. Here's a suggestion. Something that was taught to me many, many decades ago, like the late 1970s for all you millennials out there. And I still believe it works very, very well and for a couple of reasons. The best way to put it is you can't get in trouble while you're still putting it down on paper. There's just no way. Approach it from a three conceptual design approach. Draw up three, and I mean random. You can still have all your research and due diligence, but then mix it up. Or if you have a, if you have a, a spouse or a partner, let them do one and you do one. And you don't talk about it too much while you're doing the design and then get together and you compare. And that will really tell you how congruent your guys' thinking is and you can pull some things from each one and make it into a final type of design. I think it does a few things for you. It allows you to broaden your idea base a little bit, number one. And also it offers a melding of different forms and function that may not be attained from just one myopic design view. It, it really, really does help. So doing that three conceptual design drawings based on all your wants and needs and the site and what it tells you and what it tells you it can't do, you can't fail. It's almost impossible to fail. You know, once you get it all done and you've discussed, my God, I talk about that in the book and the course, communication is paramount. It really is. For a good, successful landscape project, communication, planning, and scheduling are some of the big, big three that I talk about. You know, discuss with your significant other. Discuss it with a nursery pro. I don't know how many times I've had DIY designs brought into my nursery when I used to run them, and they'd hand it to me and go, hey, I've got, uh, I've got this design here. I'd like to see some of these plants, and I'd like your personal opinion and professional opinion on what do you think the layout is? And I can remember sitting down at the consultation desk and talking to people for an hour and helping them correct some things and then add some things and detract some things and then tell them the whys and then show them stuff. And I'll tell you what, from a nursery professional, from a business professional side, people would open up their checkbooks and say, thank you so much. Where can we buy all these plants in your nursery? Show them to us and let's get them on a cart. And that was a very profitable way of doing business back then. And that was in the late 70s and early 80s of the last millennia, <laughs> of the last century. Tells you how old coach is, huh? Then, after you've done this design, you've considered all your colors and your contrast, your curves and your angles and all the things that you want. Once you've just, once you've boiled it down to the final design, something that you have to do is execute it. Execute, schedule it up, find the time off. I don't know how many times I would have clients spend hundreds and hundreds and sometimes even to the low thousands of dollars for a detailed design and then they take it and throw it in the closet. They do, uh, for, what, for whatever reason. They, they never move forward. And the same old, same old keeps on being old. And if you don't execute it, then all this time that you've done has kind of been wasted. One of the things that I've done when I've taught people this stuff is when they get done with the design, they're kind of at a, a pinnacle. They're at the summit of excitement. 
and they're jazzed and determined and they, they know this is it. So if you slide down the backside of that summit and not accomplish anything, it's gonna be double the letdown after a few weeks. It, it really will be, unless that is part of your plan. Maybe you're designing everything up here in August of 2022, but you're not gonna do anything because of work schedules and other things until October. Besides, coaches told you fall is the best time of the whole year to plant. So I get it, but make sure you get it down on the calendar. Make sure that you start uh, collecting things and making sure availabilities are there. Even if you have to go out and start getting stuff now and keep it at your home, you've got it in hand. And with product pipeline shortages and other things, man, strike while the iron's hot. Mostly, and I say this with a little bit of tongue in cheek, mostly remember to have fun with it. Embrace the learning curve, no pun intended, and don't be afraid to experiment just a little bit at the designing phase. Then when it's solidified, make sure you execute it. There are times even as you start the project where things are still somewhat flexible. You know, if you're doing a makeover, you get everything removed that's going to be removed. And then now you look at it and you hold your design up and you look at your yard now maybe it's changed just a little bit and you have to augment the size of a patio or where exactly the walkway runs and that's okay it's after you get all your hardscape in where it becomes really difficult really difficult to keep amending things so keep that in mind so to close out remember your budget in your designing remember your skills where's your skill set at or Where's your skill set and your ability to improve them, maybe through small little weekend projects or helping a neighbor or a family member that's doing kind of the same thing and you can kind of jump in and offer your help and learn a little bit and remember the steps. Remember, I call them the 15 steps. And if you start at one and go to 15, you know that you're not gonna skip anything and you'll be putting down sod going, ah, crap. I forgot to put in the lighting cable or whatever it is. Remember those steps. Hopefully that 15 step giveaway can help you. Hey guys, I hope this helps. I really do. Remember, you know, your angles and curves, your colors and contrasts are just a, just a bit of a, a sentence to help you get into this. You don't need to do it on a computer. You can do it on an eight and a half by 11 piece of binder paper, but whatever it is, do multiple designs, compile bits and pieces of all of those three, and then do it. I hope it helps. As always, to your guys' landscape success, I certainly hope you've stayed with me here till the end. Check it out over on the channel. Be a lot more visual, of, of course. And if there's anything I can do to help, I'm only an email away. That's it. Yoryardcoach at gmail.com. Can always offer up some free advice. Hey, until next week, thanks again. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.